unbelievable. Un, like you don't always see like the, you see sometimes you're upset and, but you don't see the end of the story. I saw yeah. the that. That's pretty incredible. Thank you for sharing. That's pretty incredible. And of course the kid doesn't have COVID. And of course the teacher was double vaccinated. So she probably has hardly any symptoms and two weeks, no school, three years old. It's right. 10 a.m. We're going to begin um, on that wonderful note. They should help us. We should always see the happy endings of, of everything that happens. Um, I want to dedicate our learning today uh, to all of the people who are in the path of Hurricane Ida um, and that Abisha should watch over everybody and that uh, they should all be safe and sound. Um, this is a Rashi Sikha, so if you want to get a Chomish, uh, that's always wonderful. You don't absolutely need one, but if you want to get one, you can get one. Um, it's Sikha Beis Nitzavim Chelek Yotes. And I'm just going to put the link into the chat group one more time. And we will begin. We're in for such a great treat this morning. Okay. Aleph. In the um, establishment of the covenant between Hashem and B'nai Yisrael at the very beginning of our Parsha, uh, the Pasuk reads, and uh, if you have a Chomish, it's Pasuk Yud Gimel, and it's not with you alone that I am making this covenant, and this oath curse, and Pasuk Yudalad reads, but I am establishing this covenant with whoever is here with us today. I made I'm standing here today. In the presence of Hashem, our God. And with those who are not here with us today. And on the words, and on the words, and those and with those who are not here today, Rashi, Perish Rashi, Rashi says the following, even with the generations destined for the future. The, that's the Pasuk and the Rashi that we are going to be exploring today. Yesh Mefarshim, there are commentaries that explain, Kavanas Rashi Lishla Bazer, there are those that explain that what Rashi wants to obviate, what he wants to disabuse us of with his words here, is that we shouldn't think that when the Pasuk says, and those who are not present, that <clears throat> this refers to people who were alive at that time, in that generation, but for whatever reason, they weren't at that great assembly that Moshe called on the day that he would pass. So this was the great assembly at which Moshe was saying goodbye and passing the baton from him to Yeshua. And, uh, and Rashi wants to make sure we understand that the words, that those who are not present, doesn't refer to people who actually lived at that time, but for whatever reason, were not present at that gathering. Hainu. This means to underscore that every single Jew that was alive at that time was at that great august assemblage. 
לכן פירוש רש"י, אשר ואס אשר איננו פי, פירושו דיוס האסידים ליאיס. And therefore, on the words, those who are not present, <coughs> רש"י comments that this refers to the generations that would come in the future. אבל אין זה מספיק. But the Rebbe says, but this is not enough. Enough. Why? Because in an earlier verse, so if you have your Chumash, look at the very first Pasuk in this parsha. The very first verse says, You stand this day, all of you, before God, your God. So the Pasuk says it specifically. Based on this clear Pasuk in the Torah, it means that every single person alive at that time was at that gathering. <coughs> I'm sorry, I got mixed up. I'm in, I'm in, the, next, I'm in the next paragraph. Because the Pasuk says clearly that Kulchem, all of you, inclusive of every last person, you were all standing there. May a love move on. So then it's self-explanatory, it's self-understood that when Maisha says, and I'm also making this covenant or I'm facilitating this covenant with those who will be part of future generations, we understand that it has to be so because a previous Pasuk, Pasuk test has already told us that everybody was there. The uses the word kolchem. If this is so self-explanatory, <clears throat> so if it's so explanatory, then what, self-explanatory, then what does Rashi actually add by commenting that this refers to future generations? And because of this very glaring question, so the Mephorshim add that Lulei perish Rashi, that if not for these words of Rashi, it would be very hard, although we would be forced to say it has to mean future generations, because regarding those people that are alive, it already said, all of you are going to be all of you are there, so it has to be future generations. On the other hand, it would be very hard to understand it that way, if not for the words of Rashi, ki because it would seem, ein bris im How can you actually establish a covenant with those people that don't exist? Therefore, Rashi must write what otherwise would seem to be redundant and unnecessary, because if all the people alive at that moment are all gathered, then the only way to understand a nenupai, that those that are not here, the only way to understand it is that it's referring to future generations. But how do you establish a covenant with people who are not yet in existence? Therefore, Rashi writes, no, no, it is the future generations. And through this, Rashi is mechadesh. He offers a novel thought, and that is that, yes, indeed, it is possible, it is tenable to establish a covenant with those who are not alive at that time. And the Rebbe offers two possible ways this can be done. Aleph. 
One way to understand it is that although they weren't there in body, they were there in soul, and therefore the covenant was established, the bris was established with their souls, or bays, or another way of understanding it, that we have this idea in Gemara, we learn that a son is considered like a leg of his father, meaning an extension of his father. So therefore, when the covenant was established with the people who were alive at that time, it also included their sons who are an extension of them, as it were. <clears throat> like a leg is an extension of your body. Beis. We're now in the second part of Sicha Beis Anitzavim in Chelek Yotes. Omnam Tzarek Lahavim. The Rebbe says, however, we must understand. Aleph. Okay, so we're going into a series of questions now, seven in all. We're going to go through them, and then I will do a quick review of all the questions. But we have to understand a few things. As we've explained many times, Rashi we have said many times that Rashi wrote his parish in such a way that even the Ben Chamesh Lemikra, even the very young person, which needs to be understood not necessarily as chronologically young, but as the novice in, in study. So even somebody who doesn't have a lot of experience should be able to understand it without necessity to resorting to other explanations, to other mephorshim, and so on and so forth. In other words, Rashi wrote his parish in such a way that even the, the person on the first floor, as it were, should be able to understand it, simply. And if that's true, so if that is our premise, if that is our point of departure, then we have difficulty with this Rashi. The, the, this novice student, this five-year-old, has not yet learned this, um, this axiom in the Gemara that a son is considered a leg of his father. And he has also not learned this more esoteric idea concerning souls of future generations that might have been at this august gathering that Maisha called on the day that he passed. The im kavanas Rashi lechadesh shegam im hadaris shadayin lenoldu yitachin lechayz bris. And if Rashi's stated purpose here is to offer this novel thought that yes, the bris, the covenant was established even with generations that are not yet here. Hayalilavar beferish keitzah hadavar efshari. Then he would have to explain. Again, to the Ben Chamesh Lemikra, to the novice student, how indeed it is possible to establish a covenant with people who are not yet alive. Whether it's through the agency of their neshamas that were there, or it's through this idea that children are extension of their father, but he doesn't do that. So that's question number one. Question number two. Can I ask a question, please? Yeah, sure. Um, 
with Avram and Sarah, we already learned that there were sisters, sister and brother, because their father is like a grandson is like the father. Like we have that concept. True. But it's um, not actually a connection you're saying? It's not the it's not same the father thing itself. as being Kairos Briss. Okay. And, uh, and 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 it's, you bring up a good point, and the Rebbe is going to actually touch on something similar to what you're saying, not the same thing, but let's go through the questions, and then it will all, I think, be illuminated. Beis. There's even a bigger question than that, than the previous question, which is, we already said this, and the Rebbe repeats us here, that the words referring to future generations is self-understood. It's obvious to the student himself because it can't be referring to people alive at that time because the Pasuk has already told us they were all gathered. So Rashi's chiddush here, it's not that he's telling us something novel, that the covenant also includes future generations, because we've already established that that's something that the student himself, herself can infer. So what is he coming to teach us? He's coming to teach us, He's coming to teach us how you can establish a covenant with future generations. The problem with this is, but concerning how this covenant was established, it doesn't even seem to be an illusion, a hint in Rashi's words. Rashi's words are, and even with the future generations. So here the Chab is really elongating or deepening the previous question. He's saying, okay, we've already established that the student himself, herself, can infer that this must be talking about previous, about future generations, which means that Rashi must be coming to teach us something new, which is how it is that you can establish a covenant with future generations. But he doesn't even talk about that at all. It, so this is an expression, the main thing is missing from the book. It's like you're writing a book on deep sea diving, but you don't mention deep sea diving. Like, so how does this work? Gimel. The third question is, So Elisheva, this is where the Rebbe touches on, on, on a similar paradigm as you raised. This idea that a bris can be established, a covenant can be established with future generations, it seems that we've already found it in previous parshas. The, the famous bris bein hapsarim, the, the covenant of pieces that Hashem made with Avram, was all about his children. That will come to be after after generations. And Hashem said they're going to go into, they're going to be strangers in a strange land, but afterwards they'll return and so on and so forth. It's all about their children, about uh, his children. So it seems to be a covenant established with future generations. 
And similarly, in Parshas Bechukhesai, Kain Reva Mitzvah Shativa Kashbrokha, Ide Mushar Benu, he Mitzvah Shinistabuladiris. In similar fashion, so many of the mitzvahs that Hashem commanded Moshe are really commandments to future generations. They haven't yet come into Israel. So much of this does not devolve upon them. So why doesn't Rashi address this question of how can you establish a covenant or establish an obligation with future generations that are not yet in existence in previous places where this is found? How can mitzvahs that Hashem commands to Moshe devolve upon the children and the generations that will only be in the future? We don't find that Rashi treats this question. He does not uh, raise this question. He does not reply to this question. So what is different here in Parshas Nitzavim from the previous um, examples of this same paradigm where you establish some kind of either covenant or obligation with future generations that are not still alive, how, that are not yet alive. How can you do that? Dalit. The fourth question. Isa Bigamara, it says in the Gemara, Asher Asher that on these words of this puzzle concerning those who are not here now, Perusha the Gemara teaches that this refers to Dairis Habbaim, the Gerim Hasidim Lizgayer. That this refers to future generations and converts that will in the future convert. The bris. And this is this makes a lot of sense because even according to Pshutra Shal Mikra, of course it has to include the Gerim. Just like Gerim are part of all other Terim mitzvahs, obviously they have to be part of this covenant. And in fact, right in this parsha, if you have a chumash, look at pasuk tes. Right here, the parsha opens up. You are all standing before God, your God. Your tribal chieftains, your elders, your law officers, every man of Israel, your young, your wives, the gercha, and your Convert. So it mentions it specifically here. <clears throat> and then it says, and then it follows in Pasukir Aleph, for your passage into the covenant with Hashem. So based on this, it's not understood. When it comes to converts, it's not possible to evoke this axiom from the Gemara that a child is like the leg of his father because they don't, they don't have fathers that were at this covenant. They are not the children of those who were at this, at this establishment of the covenant. You also cannot, at least on the Pshat level, 
explain, you can't use the Hezbollah, you can't explain that their souls were there also. Because the Ben Hamish Mikra has a rudimentary understanding of how conversion works, and that at the moment of conversion, a new nishama is given, or at least is accessed by this person. The Imkain, and if this is the case, Hasha'ela. So now, now we have our original question, which is, How do you establish a covenant with, with converts that are going in the future to convert? How is that possible? You can't use the child is a leg of his father argument. And you can't choose that the souls were, were at, the, at the covenant because they're new souls that are only established at the time of conversion. Hey, Le'idach, on the other hand, but on the other hand, logic compels us to say that converts are part of this covenant. So if so, why does Rashi only concern himself with or mention future generations? And unlike the Gemara, he deletes the reference to Gerim. Why does he do that? Why does he so pointedly just mention future generations. And it's very clear that he changes the terminology from the Gemara. He deletes the mention of converse. And this is especially interesting or a question. Because if Rashi is coming to say something novel here, then regarding converts, that's the greatest novelty. Why? Because we've already established because when it comes to converts, we can't use any of the two rules that we've evoked. So the fact that Rashi doesn't mention the Gerim, which would be the most novel part of this, is something we really need to understand. Vav. So Rashi's comment on the words and with those who are not present, and he says that this teaches us, this teaches us that this is concerning future generations, this explanation is brought down in the Medrash Tanchuma, in exactly this terminology, in the generations that will come in the future. But the Gemara, both Bavli and Yerushalmi, treat this, these words as well. And over there, Isa Bashinri Lashan. And over there, it's written differently. It doesn't say, the generations that will be in the future. It says, the generations that are coming, okay? Now, nobody would concern themselves with this difference except for our Rebbe, and this is just spectacular what's going to happen here.
We have to understand. Even though we've already established that Rashi's explanation here is necessary and jumps out at us from the actual shot of the puzzle. Like we said, because Pasuk Tes, the very first Pasuk in this entire Parsha, begins with making it clear that everybody alive at that time was at that great assembly. So therefore, the Pasuk itself dictates that it has to be talking about future generations. Even so, even though Rashi doesn't have to resort to our sages, to the words of the Medrash or the Gemara, because it's so clear from the Pasuk, but still in all, but once Rashi gives us the same explanation that our sages gave us, so once Rashi is quoting their thought, why wouldn't he just cite the way they wrote it twice in the Bavli and the Yerushalmi, especially because their terminology is a bit more concise. And we know that in general, Rashi goes for for concise. So why would he use an extra word? Why would he use the future generation? Why would he up for that that's in the Tanchum over what's in the Babli and the Yerushalmi? And especially that the term used in the Babli and Yerushalmi, those that will come, it's also a more common term than the generations that will be in the future. The generations that are coming is just something people say more frequently. But the Rebbe says, based on what we know, of course, we only know this because this was this was the Rebbe's science, his particular science of how Rashi works. And based on that, we know how specific Rashi was with every single word. So much so that we learn wondrous things from every single word. Then we know with certainty and clarity that the fact that Rashi used this particular terminology from the Tanhuma, the generations that are in the will will be in the future, as opposed to the coming generation, is very premeditated and comes to teach us something. The final question, Zayi, and the seventh question is, Rashi comes to teach us something on the words, they are not here. And he explains that this refers to the generations that will be in the future. The Imkain, and if this is what Rashi is doing here, we have one of the rules of Rashi that the Rebbe taught us is that the words in the deeper Hamaschil, 
the words that are bolded, that Rashi extracts from the Pasuk, before he gives us his commentary, are actually part of the commentary. And that's also premeditated. So why does Rashi put the words, the S Asher, which, which doesn't seem like Rashi is giving us any explanation on those two words, why does he put them in the Dibor Hamaschim? And the Rebbe says, and there's just a, a second layer to this question. Not only does he cite these two words that seem to be completely redundant, but he, what he does is he also explains them in his commentary. He says, and even. It would seem that he hasn't added anything to the puzzle. He's just restated exactly what it says. So why does he do that? Okay, quick review before we go into Gimel, in which the Rebbe resolves all of these questions. So um, taking it from the top. I think I stapled my packet wrong. Okay, Aleph. Um, Rashi's parish has to be understood by the Ben Hamish Lumikra without any other tools or anybody else guiding. But the Ben Hamish Lumikra has not yet learned this rule in the Gemara that a son is considered the leg of his father. And he wouldn't know necessarily that souls of future generations can be present at an earlier time. And if this is Rashi's intention to offer this novel interpretation, then <laughs> why doesn't he say a little bit more about this? How is Nechamesh Lebikvah supposed to understand this? Bayes, the second question, the Rebbe says it's even a bigger question. And that is that the fact that this is referring to future generations, we've already established that everybody can understand this by themselves. Why? Because the word kulchem in Pasuk Tess underscores that anybody alive then was at this great assembly. So it has to be talking about future generations. So it means that what Rashi's trying to do here is not to tell us who this covenant is with, but how it could be with people who are not yet alive. And he doesn't mention that at all. So, so what's going on here? The third question is really, what is the chiddush here? What is the great novelty? We've already had Hashem establish a covenant with Avraham that was in the main, not really with him, but with his children. So we already have a precedent for this. Or we have the idea that Hashem gives to Moshe all kinds of commandments that will devolve only on future generations to come. So what's the big question here? Or what's the big chiddush, the big novelty? Question number four. Question number four is, the most novel part of this would seem to be the gayrim, would seem to be the converse. And in the Gemara, it talks specifically on these words, that this was established by the people of future generations and with the converts. And yet, Rashi doesn't say a word about it. And it would seem that Rashi would have to explain this more than anything else with the converts. Because regarding converts, you can't apply the fact that 
a child is considered a leg of his father because they don't necessarily have a Jewish father who would have been, or grandfather, or great-grandfather to your question, Elisheva. They don't have any Jewish progenitors. And you also can't say their soul was there because at least the Hamish Mikra understands a shot that souls of a convert only kind of kick in during the conversion. Question number five, on the other hand, if we clearly have to include converts because they're part of the Jewish people, then why would Rashi so blatantly omit that from what the Gemara included? Because logic dictates that the Gerim have to have, be part of this. Question number six, why does Rashi choose to embrace the exact terminology of Tanchuma over the terminology from the Gemara, both Bavli and Yerushalmi, especially because the terminology used in the Gemara is one that is much more familiar to people, and that would be Habaim, the generations to come, rather than Hadayas Hasidin Liyas, the generations that will be in the future. Why does he do this? True logic compels us to understand that the words in the Chumash Hashem Nenupai is talking about future generations. But once Rashi is basically giving us what Chazal, what the sages have explained in other places, why not use their terminology? Why not use the one from the Gemara over the one in the, in the Medrash? And especially because the one in the Gemara is one that we're more familiar with. And finally... Why does Rashi include the words ve'esasher in the Deber HaMaschil? And why does he feel compelled to define them, essentially, in his commentary by saying va'af in, and even with? So now we're going into Gimel. This is the beginning of the explanation. The third part of um, the Sicha Beis on Yitzavim in Chelek Yutes. Ba'abir And the explanation for all of this is the following. Rashi does not need to teach us how a covenant can be established with future generations. This should be understood, self-understood. Why? Because because the establishment of the covenant was with God. The, the Pasuk tells us that this is a covenant that God is establishing with you today. It's understood to everybody. And Hashem is eminently capable of doing all kinds of things, including establishing a covenant with generations to come. And now there's a series of brackets. And the fact that in this pasuk, so there's two references. The parsha opens with like kind of a um, an introductory uh, introductory verses to this to this covenant, and then our pasuk repeats and says, "I am establishing this covenant with you." But the Rebbe says, But nobody should think that it was Moshe establishing this covenant with with Bnei Yisrael. No, the covenant was established between God and the Jews, inclusive of with Moshe. 
And the fact that Moshe said here, I am establishing this covenant. This is really a reference to the fact that Moshe facilitated the, the, um, the covenant. He busied himself, he occupied himself with the preparation to this covenant. And now in another bracket that's in this larger bracket, the Rebbe says we might say, just like generally speaking, in biblical times, the establishment of a covenant included a physical um, action. Rashi, Rashi tells us in this parsha on a previous pasuk, Rashi explains that they would put like a wall on one side, a wall on the other side, and the people who are establishing the covenant would walk between, very much like what Avraham Avinu did with God in the Brisbane, I'm sorry. So that says we could say that in this covenant as well, there was some type of physical action that was done, and Moshe organized this, or Moshe facilitated this. And in footnote 22, um, the Rebbe says that the physical action is they're passing through these two great mountains, Har Grizim and Har Evel. That was the physical action. The Rebbe says, still continuing in the larger bracket, and this is so simple that the covenant was established between Hashem and Bnei Yisrael and not between Moshe and Bnei Yisrael, even though he says, that Rashi doesn't even have to treat this seeming contradiction because there's no contradiction. Look, if this would really be an issue, Rashi would have to pay attention to this. Why? Because the first pasuk of the parsha says, Hashem, Hashem is establishing this covenant with you. And then four pasukim later, it says, Moshe saying, I am establishing with you. But the Rebbe says that this is simply not a contradiction because Moshe saying, I am establishing the covenant with you is a reference only to his facilitating the covenant and perhaps even organizing them for this physical part of the covenant. But not nobody is under the illusion that this is a covenant between Moshe and Yisrael. And once we understand that when you establish a covenant with God, everything is possible because God is above and beyond any and all restrictions. They simply don't apply. God is the one who creates the restrictions. Uh, so then we understand why Rashi never had to say anything about this by the Brisbane Hapsarim. He never had to explain how Hashem commanding Moshe certain mitzvahs that would only devolve upon future generations, how that works, because Hashem could do anything. Because even the novice student, the five-year-old, understands there are no limitations to God's capabilities. God is evidently uh, capable of uh, <coughs> commanding future generations. And therefore, from the perspective of Pshat, there is no question to begin with. Dalit. Rashi 
So then if this is not a question, what is Rashi coming to tell us? So what Rashi is compelled to teach us, and this is what he's teaching us by saying the words, that this covenant includes the generations that will be in the future, He's not coming to teach us the essential information that this covenant is also with future generations. He's coming to teach us the style, the particular way. He's not coming to tell us that this covenant includes also future generations. He's coming to tell us in which way this covenant was established with future generations. Min haloshan, from the words in the Pasuk, and it's not only with you that I am that I am establishing this covenant, this Allah and this um, cursed oath, but I'm doing this with those who are present and those who are not. Move on, Shakrisis Habris, Leiba, Rakede, Lachayb, Zadaris Haboim, Ella, Shenikrusa, Yeshirus, Imasher and Nenupre. Now, the novelty of Rashi is to teach us that when Hashem says, I am making this covenant with those who are here and those who are not here, it's that Hashem is doing it directly, Yeshirus, directly with them, not via proxy. It's not that the present generation is accepting this in behalf of a future generation, but he's doing it directly with the future generations. And in exactly the same way, that is the Chiddush of Rashi, that the Rebbe is illuminating here. That the covenant is being made with the generations that don't yet exist in exactly the same way as with those who are there, directly, not via another medium, not through some intermediary. Ubifrat, and especially and specifically, this um, seems obvious from the many words used in the Torah. Because it would seem that this puzzle that we're looking at now is extraneous. It's 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 superfluous. It's it's redundant. Like, why do we need this? We've already had a puzzle that tells us I'm establishing a covenant with all of you who are standing here. Then we have another puzzle. And then the pastor comes and again says, it's not only with you that I'm establishing this covenant, but I'm establishing it also with you who are here and with those who are not here. The only thing that seems to be new in this pasuk is that this is also with those who are not here. So why spill so much ink saying the same thing and including those that are here. We got that already. You told us that. You just told us that. It would seem this is completely extra. No. Rashi is teaching us that these words are not extra. It's to include in a way that underscores and emphasizes 
that as a share in Nenupoi, Yachad Masher Yeshnapoi, Ula has be Brazesh, a crisis habris, Bishne, Hasubium, Hisabo Ifen, Shave Mamash underscored. The Rebbe says, no, the reason it's repeated is to underscore that the covenant was being established in exactly the same way with those who are not here yet as with those who are here. It's not a different modality. It's not through some other medium. And now the Rebbe answers, I think it was a sixth question, I'm not sure, or no, it was a seven. The Rebbe answers, why does Rashi cite what seem to be those extra words, the S asher, and with those that are not here? Even with the generations that will be in the future. Why does he cite these words? Because by doing this, he's underscoring Aleph. Firstly, that the establishment of this covenant was directly with the generations that will be in the future. And that this was established exactly in the same way as it was with those who are here physically. And so that word that seems to be extra Af connects these two clauses, those who are present and those who are not, and also equates them. So it's not just that the covenant also includes those that are not present, but will be in, in future generations, but that the covenant is made in exactly the same way. This is the true lesson and chidush. Hey, Amoramiza. So, what we can conclude from all of this is not only did not Rashi have to add, not only was it not necessary for Rashi to say that the Nishamas of future generations were there or that they are included in this covenant because a son is the leg of his father. But it's much more than that that I was saying. Those explanations would actually be contraindicated here based on the pshat. Because im nefarish akrisis habrisim asher nenu poi imitzad bra kari davua. Because if you can establish that the covenant with the future generations is because children are considered a leg of their father, nitzdarich leimarsh akrisis habris haysabeshnei afanim shaynim, then that would force us to conclude that there were two kinds of covenants. There was habrisim asher yeshna poi haysabeshnei gufa. So there was the covenant with those who are standing there, literally. And then, then there was a different kind of covenant with those who are not present. That covenant was not made with those people themselves. Just through the agency of the fact that they are a leg of their father. So now we understand why Rashi doesn't 
earlier, the question was, hello, why doesn't Rashi explain how this covenant is being established? That seems to be the newsflash. And no, now that I'm explaining, no, 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 there's something much deeper going on here. Rashi, through his parish, is underscoring that not only are future generations part of the covenant, but that the bris was established with them in exactly the same way as it was established with those who were present. We would have the same problem if Rashi would have explained that the covenant was established with future generations via their souls that were present. That would mean that for those that were present, the it was established through their souls and their bodies. And regarding those who are not here, for them, the bris was established only with their souls. But in accordance with Rashi's style, but in accordance with Rashi's train of thought here, his trajectory, his style, what he's trying to tell us here, that the Pasuk itself is forcing us to conclude that the covenant included the future generations. It wasn't with them because they are a leg of their father, as it were. No. And it was Rashi's true chidosh is to underscore that the covenant was made with the future generations, not because they're simply an extension and not only with their soul. And this is especially true, based on what Rashi tells us just in Tupsukim earlier, he explains, this is how covenants would be established. You would create a wall on one side, a wall on the other side, and you would walk in between. Just like we had in Yemiyahu, there's a reference to um, the cutting up of a calf into parts and walking in between those parts, separating the parts and walking between them. So look what the Rebbe does here. What's the point of walking through? What was the point of, like the Brisbane of Sarmad Hashem did with Avram and then later in Yemiyahu, this whole paradigm of taking pieces of animals or creating two walls and walking between, it teaches us that everybody that walks between becomes part of one Messias, part of one existence, Kilomar. This is to say, not only is symbolic of the fact that you become one with God, but it comes to teach that all those that are included in the covenant, they become joined through this covenant and they become one existence. And now the Rebbe says, so based on what we've done above, 
Mufan gam mashalai gam gerim hasidin Now we're in a position to understand why Rashi does not include gerim, which we have two questions. One is the Gemara does include, and Rashi seems to be citing the Gemara, but he very blatantly omits mention of the gerim. We also said that the gerim would have been the most novel part of it. Because regarding Jews of future generations, we could always fall back on this idea that a son is the leg of his father or that their neshamas were there. But you can't fall back on either of these explanations for Gabriel. But now the Chavis says, but now it's clear why Rashi doesn't include Gabriel. Because if Rashi is a piney, that this covenant was not just made in some symbolic way um, or in some legal manner through some legal mechanism that a son is the leg of his father and therefore he's like grandfathered in um, to the to the covenant but Rashi doesn't embrace that rather he's saying that this covenant was actually made with them themselves. And if it was made with them themselves, then it's inclusive of the converts, the converts of future generations. Because it's simple. It's simple that this includes every Jew and all future generations inclusive of Gerim. And including the Gerim. Masha Inkain, Lufiha Perisha, Krisa Sabrias Himitsad, Bra Kari Gabuha. This is different. This is in contradistinction to saying that the covenant was made with the future generations because the son is the leg of his father. But you can't say that about converts. Or to say that it was made through the agency of their souls. This also doesn't, at least al pipshat, it doesn't jibe for gerim because their neshamas only emerge during conversion. On the contrary, this is such a, a poignant point that I was pointing out here. Rashi, not only Rashi doesn't mention the Gerim, he can't mention the Gerim because by mentioning them, he is separating them out at a different as a different category. Can't separate them out because then that puts them in a different category. And then that means that they don't become part of this one all-inclusive existence that the Rebbe pointed out earlier happens through the agency of walking through the pieces. Ah, oh, so now you're going to have a question. You're going to have a question in Pasuk Tes. No, Pasuk Yud. because of A few words earlier in this Parsha, just a few Pasukim earlier, Gerim are delineated as a separate line item, as it were. But the Rebbe says, no. That's because over there, in the kind of introductory verses to this covenant, 
And in describing this august gathering that Moshe gathered on that last day of his life, there the Torah talks about every single category of Jew. So then it makes sense to delineate Gerim as well. So you have the chieftains, you have the water carriers, and so on and so forth. So there we're delineating all the different types. But over here, sorry, and in the and in the parentheses, there it's not talking about the actual covenant. It's talking about the fact that they are all standing there in preparation to undergo this covenant with God. But when the pastor comes to teach us about the actual covenant, I am establishing this covenant. Here, it's not possible to subdivide the Jews in different categories. Zion. Alpikola now, so based on everything we've learned previously, now the Chavik goes back to answer this question of why does Rashi use exactly these words of the Tanchuma? The generations that will be in the future, as opposed to using the word Haba'im, that first of all is a much more natural, intuitive, and more oft used term, and is the term used in the Babli and the Yerushalmi. That explains. <laughs> it's simple. It's almost it's like saying, duh. Because the understanding of the word habayim, those that are coming, because when you use the term habayim, it does not underscore the main point of what Rashi wants to underscore here, and that is to mention things, or in this case, people, that don't seem to have any continuity, any um, connection to that which is in existence in the present. Whereas habayim, the word habayim, peirushai, the word habayim is a term that underscores that those that will come in the future come through via those who are present. Even though, yes, it's talking about a generation that has not yet appeared, but at the same time, the word the very term underscores connective tissue, the connection to those that come earlier. Simply speaking, habayim means those that will come, not only after, but through those who are here presently. They will be born from those who are here presently. Kiloimar, that is to say, dor ze machriach is dor habalachrov. 
it's almost like saying the fact that there's a generation today ensures and forces that there is a, a generation that will come after. So in some way, when you're looking at the present generation, it's as if the, the future generation is already standing there. Except at this moment, they're not actually here, but they're here in potentia. They are present in the fact that their progenitors are here. And the Rebbe says that this is like, we're going to do this bracket very, very quickly. This is like what the Rambam explains. The fact that our sages spoke about this world and the world to come. They don't call it the world to come because that world is not in existence now. Of course, it is in existence now. Here the Rebbe quotes the Rambam, explains that it's called because that life, that sphere, that strata only comes to the person after their life in Olam Hazah. After the life that we fulfill in a body. This is to say, Olam Haba, of course, is already in existence. Now, the Nikra, Olam Haba, it's only called the world to come. Because it comes as a result it comes as a, an effect of what we do in this world with our neshama in the body. It's the same thing with the term used in the Bavli and the Yerushalmi, that those generations come as a result of the previous generation that is standing there literally in front of Moshe. Masha Inkin, but in contradistinction, Halashin Asidim Lihiyais, using the term, the generations that will be in the future, Moira Al Dabar Ata, underscores that we're talking about something that is not found at all at this moment in the present. Hainu, It's not only that they're not there literally and physically, Elisha Etsem Mitzi but it's that their very existence will only be vivified, will only come to be in the future. They are not going to come as a new generation or as a result of the generation that is standing there. And now, now it's so clear why Rashi is so specific. He has used the term used by the Gemara, Talmud Yerushalmi and Bavli, because if you would have used that term, then you might have been able to understand because using that term would have implied to the student of Rashi that the future generations with whom this covenant is being made are the children of those who are standing there. 
it would have been like saying that it's with them because children are the leg of their father and ascension. And more. And then we would not know that the Gerim are part of this covenant. In fact, we might have been able to learn from if Rashi would have used the, the term Habayim, that that excludes Gerim. Because they are clearly not the, the um, children of, of this present generation. And that's why Rashi uses specifically this term, the generations that will be in the future. He underscores that it's not just that they will exist in the future, but that their existence will be a novel thing, will only arise in the future. And then it's clear, we're forced to say that the covenant is going to be with the future generations themselves, and not only because they're children of this present generation, so they're grandfathered in. And now it's absolutely crystal clear that this includes the Gerim Sha'af Aim Asidim Liyais. They too will be in the future. And now the Rebbe gives us an incredibly powerful lesson to take away as we stand here at the cusp of a new year and um, this whole parsha, Atem Nitzavim, the word Nitzavim, as opposed to Aimdim, the, the pedestrian term for standing is Aimed, standing, standing. But, but, but the Torah uses the word Nitzavim, like Milosha Matseva, like a monument. We, the Jewish people, are a monument. We're not just standing here. We're a monument to, to our past, to our future, to our Father, Hashem. I mean, we don't, we don't just stand here. And now the Rebbe kind of gives us a whole new lesson from what Rashi taught here. In Perish Rashi, there is a wondrous lesson, and it's one that we've spoken of before. It's possible, Rebbe says, it's possible that this could happen. That a Jew might become despondent sometimes. And and uh, the Altarebbe teaches that when you become despondent, when you, when you fall into a, a funk, you lack the strength to fulfill your Aveda with the full, with the full strength. And this might even especially be true when you want to share this with the rest of the world. You want to share your share with the rest of the world. And why might a Jew fall into a rut? Because it's kind of daunting to think, you know, we're just a few. 
I mean, we're, what do they say? We're not even like a dot on the Chinese census. I mean, like we're so few. The Jews are so few. How can we make a dent? How is this going to work? And we might be like, whatever. It's not possible for us to really be a light onto the nations, to really get the message out. It's not possible. So the answer to that is here. When can you say that we are just a few? It's only when you talk, when you judge, when you're, when you're talking in relation to our quantity. Quantity is something that is limited. It is measured. And it changes in relation to time and space. And so when you're looking on the quantitative level, yes, we are very limited. And we're limited to certain times. We're limited to certain places. And you cannot get away from the fact that there's not that many of us. But because the main thing when you're talking about Jews is not quantity, but quality, the spiritual what makes us Jewish is our neshama, our Jewish souls, everything about us. If you want to talk about Jews, you really have to talk on the spiritual level. Torah, mitzvahs. When a Jew connects himself to God, through Torah, mitzvahs, which transcends time and space, Rebbe says, when you connect on the spiritual level, which transcends physical limitations, then we are connected in truth and in actuality with all of the Jews all over the world of all generations. It is such a powerful thought. And this is what Rashi underscores, again, by importing what seem to be extra words. And even with the generations that will be in the future. Equally with the generations that will be in the future, as with those who were standing there as part of that assemblage. In that covenant that Hashem established with the Jews at that time, stood all of B'nai Yisrael, of all the generations, and all of us became one existence. Mizem move on from this is understood. Shakasher ish Yisrael kashur, begolui im hakadish baruch bivris. That when a Jew is in manifest fashion connected 
in a revealed way with Hashem, with the covenant of Hashem, through practically fulfilling Torah mitzvahs, then literally all the Jews are standing to the side of this one Jew. It's all the Jews of all the previous generations, and they are all standing as one full body. And that is a lot of power. And then we're not ma'at, we're not a few. Not even quantitatively, on the contrary, when you count us on the qualitative level, then quantity-wise, we also become so great. Rebbe says, an awesome, great number. And we have nothing to fear. We don't have to worry even that we're just a few. And we don't have to worry about how many gener- how many other nations there are that will always dwarf us. But Adrab, on the on the contrary, when we stand tall and we realize who we are, then the fear and dread will fall upon them. We don't have to fear anything. Chabit finishes up by saying, when you stand today, all of you, us, united as one, when we stand in revealed fashion together, then the words are true, and they're fulfilled, and that means that we are zeicha b'din, that Hashem will judge us in a meritorious way, imitz Hashem, and davarzeh, the standing together in unity, maybe brings ksiva v'chasima teiva, that we should be written and sealed for a good year, to every man and woman of our nation, and should all be with good that is seen and revealed. Amen, amen, Um, Before we disband, uh, we need to talk about a practical question. That is that next Monday in Hashem is Erev Rosh Hashanah. Um, now, I know that it's not going to be an easy day for people to gather to learn the Sicha. So my question is, um, would Sunday be easier for people? So um, let me see if I could change the view on this. Um, not so savvy, but okay. So now if you could, I don't know, either put up your hand by the reaction thing on the bottom, because a lot of you are not, uh, I can't see your faces, so I can't see your hands either. But if you could use the reaction button on the bottom and put your hand up, um, if Sunday works better, 
then we'll do Sunday. So only one person, uh, two people have reacted thus far, three, four, five. Oh yes, okay, people are saying in the chat. All right, so let's keep this time, 10 o'clock, Sunday, Be'ezer Hashem, um, we'll gather. And, uh, and we'll see each other then. And in the meantime, just wishing each other, because that is our minute. In our Aveda of Atem Mitzavim. Thank you. 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 Thank